0: This is The Playbook. There's so so many quotes, so many greats. I'm bringing on here two, two of my favorite people in the world. Unfortunately, uh, I don't get to see them as often as I used to. This happens when uh, you become super successful. You need to prioritize as well. And I appreciate their success elevating uh, others to elevate themselves. And the amazing Mike Mamola has joined us as well as the incredible DM, that's Dave Moreno, the multi-faceted uh, agent, lawyer, and humanitarian uh, standing up and sticking up for those that are less fortunate than himself. And we're gonna bring on our first person uh, to talk to. Uh, I don't know if you know this name, but Dr. Canbu, like the next Dr. Phil, and he wrote his second edition of Thrive State He's aligned with Mimola, Marino, and Meltzer. And the fact that he's trying to empower others, to empower others simply to be healthy, happy, wealthy, and worthy. Welcome, my brother. Can everyone. Woo! I, I could feel the crowd. Good morning, everyone. <laughs> they're sharing, trust me, they're sharing. Anyway, uh, you know, you have written, which is you know unique, a great book called Thrive State. Why'd you create a second edition of it? Well, that's a great question. Uh, the first edition was really letting people know that
1: the seven things that we can most control in life actually creates an energetic field. And by, through our choice alone, that we can create basically a thrive state in our body, which leads to optimal health, longevity, and peak performance. Or you're in the stress state where you have chronic symptoms or chronic disease. I wrote the second edition because I had a couple additional observations. Number one, the people that were in the Thrive State seemed to be resilient against the pandemic. They might have gotten the virus and not, not might not have any symptoms at all. So I let people know that, and I also saw that the people in companies in Thrive State didn't lose people throughout the pandemic due to engagement, due to poor health, etc. What I also discovered is two additional findings, that the, the energetic state that we're in, permeates through our families or teams or organizations so just like fear can spread through a community so can joy connection and love I let people know that because I know a lot of people reading it are also in organizations and teams and then lastly I break down the biology of why people don't make the choices that they truly want to make as it pertains to who they want to be we've got a 2 million year old brain (laughs) That Rescue. is wired for survival and not to thrive. But when we become aware of that, we can make choices. Kian,
0: and what's Kian up? Kian, can, you. Dave? can you heal Dave Marino? Sounds like he has a cold.
2: I'm sure he can. <laughs> I'm sure he can. What's going on, brother? So great to see you. Your energy is, is magnetic. Clearly, you are in your thrive state. I think the most obvious question that everybody wants to know is how do you get into thrive state? And then how do you stay in thrive state? Like what oh, sort of lifestyle changes? Yeah, that
1: that's such a great question.
0: Well, I
1: keep getting. <laughs> yes, I, my just keep score, or uh,
0: just for those people that can't see, David, Mike, myself, and Doctor Kimbu, we keep score because uh, although I told you comparisons, the thief of joy, competition allows uh, us to enjoy the consistent, persistent pursuit of the truth. So. Uh over 503 different episodes of office hours. We keep score of all the questions. And just so you know, I'm like a hundred points ahead of Mamola and six at a marino. So there give them as many points as you can to catch up to me. Oh, that, that sounds great. <laughs> I wasn't sure if people were like, hey, turn down the volume here. No, no, pick <laughs> it up, baby. Pick it up. This is this is the Friday training edition of Office Hours. You got to pick up the energy. Here we go. We're picking up the energy. Great question, David. I think,
1: firstly, people need to know that when I mentioned the seven things that keep us in Thrive State, they're all energetically connected. So people just need to take the very first step, whether it be sleep better, eat better, move a little bit more every day, serve with purpose, have a community that really supports you. Whatever that easy action might be, if you start to make that happen, that actually shifts your energy already. Then I mean, you have more energy to do the next thing, the next thing, and the next. But how do people stay there? Well, we have to understand what stops people. There is a 2 million-year-old brain that wants to keep us safe and wants to help us survive. But it might also be the resistance when we try to make new changes. When we can become aware of that and recognize that change might be hard at first because we're habitualized to do one thing, it's going to be messy in the middle. We're going to mess up, but it's going to be beautiful at the end. If we could understand that, We can stay in Thrive State because we won't quit when things get messy.
3: Mm. Fantastic way to start the day. Good morning. So it, it was Einstein, right, that said the most important decision you'll ever make is whether you live in a hostile or friendly universe. And I think so many people live in that hostile universe. And so it's difficult to get to that Thrive State, right, Ken? Because we're afraid of things. We live in this scarcity mode. So flipping that switch, everything that you're saying, so important, so critical, so on point what is that initial because getting to that first step right that like Peter Thiel would say zero to one what is that first step to get someone out of it into it like okay I'm ready to go I'm ready to start eating right I'm ready to start sleeping right I'm ready to go to the gym I want to look like he does
1: yeah well first firstly they'll have to have my parents to to, to look this way but um, (laughs) the thing people need to understand is the following and I, I would probably say I teach in my uh, online courses how to move your body to, to change how you feel, and then that's going to help. But I argue this. Einstein has a great quote, but this is super deep and super profound, and human beings forget this. And if you could make these three decisions, your ability to change rapidly, not have things affect you, and really become the person you want to be, this is how important these th- three decisions are. If you know that you are safe, that you are love, and that you are connected, all of three things we are when we are born, which we forget, if we remember those three things, at any point in life when you feel charged and you believe those three things, you will really have that energetic to keep moving forward.
0: And can, uh, you know, I've been, reading both of the books, the first and the second edition, uh, interviewing you for a while, coaching you a little bit on top of it, uh, and you're building quite a brand. But there's one question, as I read through a blueprint for optimal health, longevity, peak performance, um, and even looking at the online courses that you do, it seems to me that the Thrive State is a field. So taking into consideration Einstein and Dr. Wayne Dyer. It seems like it's a field of intention, a, a field of energy, not just the state of mind.
1: Well, they're all actually connected, really, because it is our state of mind. To say what a
0: great question that was. That
1: creates the the energetic field, <laughs> which then brings us the possibilities and the prosperity. Because you know, so it is really our consciousness. Because look, seven years ago, I was. Got the fancy house, the fancy car, chief of interventional radiology at my hospital. But I was running through a program that told me I wasn't enough, that I needed to attain X, Y, Z to feel that way. I was in a stress state. So my consciousness led me to not sleep very well, eat like crap, and make choices that are that of survival rather than that of thriving. And as we make that switch, as we change up basically our consciousness, well, up here equals our reality. So up here changes the field that we're in, which then gives us access to new possibility and prosperity.
0: And where can people uh, find the book, join your online courses, listen to you? I know we got CanVu with W dot com, Kenvu.com, But more importantly, I'd love for people to raise their awareness, their frequency by reading the books, going to your courses. Where can they best sign up and find you?
1: Well, you get a free resource guide as to how to get into the Thrive State when you go to ThriveStateBook.com. And there are links there for you to actually pick up the book. It's sold you know, everywhere where books are sold. Very fortunate, even in the second edition, to make a uh, number one bestseller. Uh, so thanks for promoting it, Dave.
0: We love you. Everybody, check out Kian Vu. You will love him, too. Uh, thank you so much for increasing our point total here and raising the vibration and frequency with your high energy and intellect intuition and of course inspiration. come back and visit us soon. We'll do Right on brother take care. Thanks. all right boys well we're gonna take a quick question in between uh, the guests today. We've changed the format a tiny little bit only because so many people have so many questions. Uh, Jake, do you have someone there for a question? You want me to take one online because I got a ton. Let's take one online, dude. You got it, my gut. Here, here you go, guys. What are the keys to maintaining a successful company culture while scaling a business? Uh, any one of you guys want to grab that one?
3: <clears throat> yeah, yeah, I'll jump on it. Thanks, um, Mike. The, you're welcome. The, the first thing is to to define success, right? Like, what do you mean by, by by success within the company culture? Once you define that, that's it makes it a lot easier, right? So you can really plan the roadmap accordingly. So we were just having, I'm out here, one of these tech companies that I'm working with and, and helping in, in California, and we were just having conversations about this the other day. And so what's important to you as a company, and the company is just an extension, any company is really just an extension of the individuals, the human beings involved. So what's important to me, ethically, morally, as a human being, extending those things to the company and building on them, that makes the company successful.
2: Javi? Yeah, I'll, I'll piggyback on that. It, it's all about the people. I think at the onset, every entrepreneur, every leader has a, a value system and a code that they, that they live by. Uh, and the co- most successful companies don't compromise on that code as they grow. Uh, I think it's very easy to cut corners and change who you are and you should be adaptable. But you've got to identify and maintain your core values and then identify and elevate those that share in those core values with you.
0: Yeah, and I'll add a key component with people values uh, to build culture, and it's an overlooked thing, uh, which is consistency. Uh, I've learned throughout the years in scaling businesses, uh, many businesses far beyond and far faster than I imagined, how important it is to consistently remind, remember, and recollect those values. Uh, People are just amazed when they came into Lee Steinberg or Sports One Marketing or Dave Meltzer Enterprises, Uh, how they may have thought they were there to be sports agents or marketers or media experts, when actually they were there to learn four key values of gratitude, empathy, accountability, and effective communication. Uh, And in fact, my entire internship program, which during the summer has over 30 people in it every summer for the last 23 years, that's all we talk about. But the most amazing thing is the simple things to learn are unfortunately simple not to learn and simple not to do. And you assume after an entire summer, uh, you know, a Phi Beta Kappa from Michigan could pick up on what the four uh, values are. But until I started beating it every single day, repeating it every single day, that culture was not there. The majority of the kids that graduated from our intern program in the summer When asked, what are the four values? Not what do they mean, right? Gratitude gives you perspective, forgiveness gives you ease, accountability gives you control and effective communication, intellect, intuition, and inspiration. Just the mere fact of a whole summer of trying to teach those four things, they couldn't repeat it. They couldn't even remember it. So I want to add to the great advice that you give that it's great to talk about or put a mission statement on a wall your values on a, on a folder or a card, but unless you're consistently pounding it in to all employees, future, present, and past, uh, you're not going to get the impact of the culture uh, and the aggregation, the acceleration, and compounding effect that consistency allows for. Um, I think we have our next guest in the house. Uh, not yet. Shibaluca is sending her no, no, no. We're right on top of it. All right. We got another uh, question because we've got tons of those. Uh, let's take one. Jake, you have one there. Or you want me to take another one online?
1: Let's take another question online. All
0: right. Here we go. Um, let's take this one here. Uh, th- this is a good one, especially, Mikey, I want you to start on this one because you're the expert at this. All right. what What's the best way to become more self-aware?
3: Oh. Yeah. Man, I knew you I like that. that. I love that
0: one. Reno's yeah. not disagreeing. He's like, yeah, I want to hear Mike's answer as well. <laughs>
3: for sure. Yeah. It's to start listening to the music instead of the noise in life. So how do we do that, right? It's the uh, the music is created by those moments of silence in between all of the sound. And so it's really to like check out, to check in. As you know, I did that you know three months of uh, shamanic training up in the mountains outside of San Diego. And that was just another added attempt for me to do that. For me, it's been meditation, breath work, mindfulness, working with the shamanic traditions now and other things. But it really is stepping out of all of the things that are surrounding us, all of the distraction in life to listen to what's inside so that we can tap into that frequency, that inner essence of who we are, because we all have this incredible, infinite potential that we can tap into if we're just able to cut out all of the noise around us.
2: Yeah, I mean, I mean it's yeah. hard to follow, follow Michael on that, but for me, it's, it's finding something where you can lose yourself, and you can quiet your mind, right? And I think for a lot of people, that's, that's meditation. Uh, I think meditation shows up in different ways. I think both you and Dave subscribe more to some of the traditional meditative practices. And I've struggled with it, right? We've, we've spoken about it over the years, like, it's just it's just hard for me to sit there and focus. But I find that when I'm playing basketball, right, like I'm playing basketball, I'm not even thinking, and I just am able to just live in the moment, my mind is clear, Whatever is stressing me is gone. Uh, so for me, it's like find some more, something that you love where you can lose yourself. Uh, it also helps you find yourself, uh, but it doesn't always have to show up in the same exact way.
0: And uh, to that measure, when we talk about playing basketball or walking or running or uh, swimming or just sitting still, uh, the reason, or for me, the elevation of awareness is directly relative to frequency or vibration. So whether you're Michael in the shamanic traditions of meditation and other types of medicinal effects that can be utilized to simply raise your vibration or your frequency, you only can be aware of that which vibrates equal to or less than you. So whatever behavior it is, uh, being on a show, basketball, meditation, ayahuasca or mushrooms, it doesn't matter. If it elevates your frequency and your vibration, which also other people and ideas also elevate your vibration. It's something that I'm well aware of, making sure that I surround myself with people that feed me, not bleed me and work within the context of my own perception. And so I encourage everyone to understand the vibrational frequency awareness and know, hey, basketball makes me feel good. Meditation makes me feel good. Mike Momola makes me feel good. And surround yourself in those situations, elevating your your frequency and vibration, which will elevate your awareness. Ironically, David, because I know you struggle with meditation the same way I did when I was your age. Um, uh, when I first was approached about how important meditation and elevating my frequency was, I was completely resistant, arrogant, and closed-minded. Uh, even made fun of the person who you know was requ- uh, requesting that i try it and i was so arrogant and closed minded i'm like why would i meditate what a waste of time uh but she met me where i was at through this idea of vibration and frequency and she said hey look i can you know make you vibrate faster through meditation and i laughed at her and i'm like so and she said well you only can be aware of that which vibrates equal to or less than you she said well by the way i could teach you to be aware of when to buy or sell. So the introduction or the stimuli for me to meditate was completely scarce in how I could make more money by buying or selling. But thank goodness for 17 years, I was introduced to meditation. I practiced it and have practiced it uh, to the point where my first practice was simply do what you wanna do, watch TV, listen to books, talk on the phone, but you're gonna sit still for 20 minutes. And then it became, okay, now that you can sit still for 20 minutes, now you're gonna be quiet for 20 minutes. Then it was, okay, we're gonna practice being aware for 20 minutes. Now I'm actually to a state of mind of transcendence, uh, which takes my unwinding routine of recovery and access and takes the information that I receive to bu- devoid of the conscious and be able to transcend that information so I can plateau, have a higher frequency or vibration at the beginning of the day as a baseline to make sure I'm moving in a trajectory of where I think I want to be or better each and every day. Mike, Do you, you have a comment?
3: Yeah, I'd just love to add on to that for you a look second.
0: So I figured you were you're like, for I'm Maria, pregnant. man, I'm So excited Give me a hit
3: the nail on the head as always, man. Uh, and just because I mean, I love Moreno, and I, I have my, my life's mission is to pull him into this world. But in meeting people where they are, Dave, I don't know if you've read it or not. And I don't typically recommend too many books on the show. But there's one called The Mindful Athlete by George Mumford. And, you know, Phil Jackson, Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan, like they all were brought into this world of meditation, and mindfulness by George and like through The Mindful Athlete. So that might align.
0: Yeah, it's a lot less complex than the Bhagavad Gita or the Course in Miracles or Theta Meditation or, or Memory. And uh, I, I love uh, the aspect of that. Um, I'm going to take another question. Jake, you got one there? You want me? Oh, wait, hold on. We got our guest here. Uh, hold on. I'm I'm getting confused. No, Jim's here. Are we going to take a Jim early, Luca? All right. We're going to let Jim Oliver on here. Jim, give me a thumbs up if you're ready. I know you look all right. He's ready to go. All right. We got our next guest live here. The incredible Jim Oliver is joining us uh, here, the founder of Create Tailwind, community.createtailwind.com. And anything that educates, motivates, and inspires uh, people to live in abundance uh, is welcome here with us. And uh, Jim, welcome to Office Hours.
4: Thank you. I'm uh, having a little camera problem there, but uh, I'll, I'll get it fixed. I'm not sure what happened.
0: Uh, I've never used this system. You know what? We like the profile view. It looks fine. You're doing great. And it's the audio always that's most important. Um, Let's talk about how to create a tailwind in the realm of abundance. Uh, What are you dedicated to doing to help your clients in this pursuit of abundance of more than enough?
4: So you know what? Um, I think it's changing everybody's mindset from scarcity. We're taught scarcity as children. We're taught scarcity from our parents, and not because they want us to have scarcity. It's it's what our society kind of thinks. It's it's we want to. They want us They want us to save money and build up a nest egg, and then at some point in time, live off of that nest egg for the rest of our lives, and hope we don't run out of money. And um, that's scarcity. Abundance is building cash flow, is building assets that keep up with inflation so that all of those outside eroding forces that we can control. So, if we control our money, but we're taught that, hey, you can't control your own money. You're not smart enough. You need somebody else to do it for you. It's, so, we're, we're taught scarcity. We need to change our mindset and change the way we think to abundance.
2: Mm. That, that's excellent, Jim. And, 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 you know, only reason I bring this up is because I think it'd be so valuable to so many people. And uh, one of our good friends, uh, Glenn Lundy, uh, blew Mike Ramola in my mind one day. We were sitting at Dave's Beach House in San Diego. And, uh, and uh, you should hear the story from him because he's a great speaker. But he goes, you know, I, w- I used to be homeless on this boardwalk. Right. And, and it shocked both me and Mike. And we didn't know it coming in. And, and Glenn is super successful great family man and a great speaker um, but that story was so motivating to hear and I know that at one point Jim uh, you were homeless and I think you know hearing of how you overcome homeless, homelessness and then obviously turn that into being a successful businessman uh, could be really beneficial for some folks to hear so I'd love if you could share some of that that journey.
4: yeah you know so I I grew up in um, Inglewood California. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad drove a trash truck. My mom worked at a casket factory. They were in a really bad, abusive relationship. And my mom and I found ourselves, uh, these were my adoptive parents. I grew up in foster care until I was seven. And uh, these, we found ourselves homeless sleeping behind a moose lodge in the grass. And thank goodness it was California because it was warm and we didn't have to really worry about it you know being uh, snowing or being freezing cold. But what it teaches you, and I remember laying there and I would looked up on the hill where there were really nice houses and this was in El Segundo. So we drove to El Segundo and we would sleep there um, down uh, Imperial Highway and it was uh, this moose lodge. And there were nice houses up there, my perception of nice houses. And I thought, what do those people know that I don't know about money or my parents don't know about money? And it, and it made me realize that um, that I never want to be in that position. So I, I wanted to educate myself. And it's what I do with my clients is I educate them on how money really works. And it makes you it makes you so grateful, but it also drives you to want to make sure that anyone else with any ability whatsoever, um, and everybody has the ability to to have abundance in their lives. So I think that's what that's what it taught me is to be grateful. Um, every single day and be grateful for what I have and share it with others.
3: I thank you. Good morning, Jim. Just tapped into it. Like the the most critical element of all of that. Right. And you use the word grateful two or three times right there at the end of it. And so how much of, of all of this, right? Because money is a currency. It's just like any other, other energetic frequency. It's just a form in this dimension that we use to transact, to show appreciation and exchange value. That's the currency. How much of all of that in terms of what we have in life and what we give in life is based on our personal gratitude for ourselves, our lives and everything around us?
4: Yeah, you know, everything, everything is about gratitude. And if you think of um, if you think of the book Man's Search for Meaning, uh, Viktor Frankl, right? Tragic optimism is it's it's having being able to find gratitude in the worst situation, being able to be optimistic in the worst situation. But if you believe that adversity builds character and adversity introduces a person to themselves, which I do believe that, then when you're going through the adversity, when you're in the valley, all you know is that it's strengthening you. It's making you stronger. Being homeless made me stronger. Standing in line for government cheese made me stronger. Because I don't take anything for granted. I'm, I, I don't think I'm better than anyone else. And I've achieved financial freedom and financial independence by buying companies and helping those companies grow and helping other people have abundance, not just myself. And so being grateful every single day, and there's a million people that have said it, but if you're not writing three things every night before you put your, uh, your head on your pillow, three things that you're grateful for, you are missing out on what it it does for you and what it does for your mind. Cause everything's about how you think about it.
0: And you talk about money a a lot in building wealth. And, uh, I was going to ask, you know, the obvious question, which is, you know, why is government cheese so yellow, but I'll skip that question. We could talk offline about that being someone who had to eat that shit as well. But more importantly, um, We look at money um, as we find the light, the love, and the lessons in all the pain, setbacks, failures, mistakes, defining moments, and even successes in our lives. But money is truly an energy. And I've heard you on your podcast, the Breakaway Wealth Podcast. I've uh, heard you in your speeches talk about three characteristics of money uh, and how to deploy it and and collect it uh, that are you know, three characteristics of behavior, of time and space as well. And the first is the aggregation of money, that money attracts more money. You talk about the exponentiality uh, of money and the outcomes of money of, you know, the rule of 72 and how not only does money attract money, but it gives you exponentiality. Uh, So it turns from one to two, not to three, four, five, but to four, eight, 16, Uh, with the appropriate deployment of it. Uh, And then, of course, one of the greatest uh, components of money, which is aligned with human nature, coming from someone that has slept in the backyard on grass as a homeless person and a foster child, it's the acceleration of the objective or trajectory in which we want. So it appeases human nature of its need, especially today of instant gratification. Um, What are some of the actual techniques that, You talk about and teach not only on the podcast, but when you speak about unlocking these secrets uh, of creating the aggregation, exponentiality and acceleration of your wealth.
4: Yeah. So, you know, um, let let me uh, let me start by telling a, a quick little story. So I really believe in the golden rule. He who has the gold makes the rules. Right. And in actually my now she's 25. But when she was in sixth grade, Uh, The teacher asked, hey, uh, does anybody know what the golden rule is? So she raised her hand and she said, he with the gold makes the rules. And she said, no, that's not right. She came home. She was very upset. And she said, all you talk about is money. And I said, that's because money gives you choices. Choices give you freedom. I want freedom. I want freedom to do what I want to do when I want to do it. That's what money does for you, right? So if you, I believe that if you want to know how to have money, how to have wealth, then you have to look at somebody who's doing it or doing it exceptionally, right? Well, the, the most profitable business in the world is banking, right? So what does a bank do with money? They have somebody come down and deposit money. They take that money. By the way, when they, when you deposit money, <laughs> in bank, that's a liability for that bank. They haven't done anything with it. They haven't made any money with it. They have to put it in motion. They put it in motion by lending it to a borrower the borrower pays them interest and they pay you as little as possible to keep you depositing money at that bank. Now, if we take that same model and then and you think about it, we have to put money in motion. We cannot let money sit and in, in, in be in prison. What I mean in prison is sitting in instruments where it's in there 20, 30, 40 years. A bank would never do that. There's no money in the vault. That money is moving. <coughs> Excuse me. The, the asset is the loan for a bank, right? And then as that money comes back in, you pay your mortgage payment, I pay my mortgage payment, they take all those payments, bundle it together and loan it out again. So now they're getting interest from you, from me, from the next person, the next person, the next person, and they create velocity with that money, right? And not velocity if you're, a, if you're an engineer, I'm not talking about scientific velocity. I'm talking about moving your money faster. So we have to put our money in motion and then we have to do it faster and faster and faster. That's what the most profitable business in the world does. So that's good enough for me. That's what I want to do. I want to buy assets and then as that those assets have cash flow, I want to redeploy the cash flow and buy more assets, just like you said, and all of a sudden I've got more money coming back to me than I know what to do with. And my biggest struggle and a lot of people struggle out there is a different struggle now. It's how do I keep it? How do I keep more of that money and not pay Uncle Sam 37, 40 percent, 50 percent, depending on the state that I live in? And, well, and that's a, That's it. That's a good problem to have.
0: Yeah, I always say that's a great problem to have. I'm fine playing as Mike Momola is now working in California. The weather tax. It's fine with me. <laughs> Uh, it's a valuable tax, although uh, Southern California is looking more like Seattle every day and day, so it's not as worth as much. I'm going back the, to Miami soon. Yeah, 20, 20, 2023 is uh, not a great weather tax year, but uh, Jim Oliver can create a tailwind in your life. He has the experience, his basement had a basement, and he has accelerated and grown to a trajectory where he thinks he wants her better. You can never overachieve your own self-image and part of that self-image is your health your wealth your worthiness and happiness and jim has achieved it all by having the options and opportunities created by wealth in order to facilitate that come back and visit us again jim i love your podcast uh love what you're doing out there to create abundance in the world and your story is tremendous and you're a great storyteller join us soon
4: thank you very much you guys have a great day thank
0: Thank you you very much All right, our clean cleanup hitters here. uh, And uh, we have, it's amazing how things come in uh, collectives or threes. We have a little technology uh, problem today, and we luckily are blessed by another doctor. We started with a doctor, we'll end with a doctor. And Dr. Tangia Coleman is here, president and founder of Reimagine Organization Development. And of course, she's an author of an incredible new book, Three Second World, Essentials for Engineering Your Future. Welcome to Office Hours, Tangia.
5: Thank you. Welcome. It's great to be here this morning.
0: It's fabulous to have you. Well, nothing scares people more than the future. Maybe the past, but more importantly, probably the future. It creates more anxiety and worry than anything else. Uh, And so what are, just to start, uh, the principles that we can utilize to dissipate, dissolve, hopefully disappear that anxiety and worry of the future.
5: Exactly. So one of the things that can dissipate that is being ready for the future, right? So I talk a lot about how do you build preparedness? How do you feel confident and resolute in whatever decisions you make, whatever direction you decide to take your professional and or entrepreneur career in? So you really need kind of a foundation. You need to start with a vision. What is it that I want to achieve and why do you want to achieve that? And then you have to build a strategy. So it's really no different than how organizations operate, right? They all operate from a strategic plan. They sit around and they really determine where they want the organization to go, what they want the organization to ascend to publicly and then privately for their own wealth, and then how do they execute. And oftentimes we do not look at our careers and manage them in the same way as organizations manage their finances and their business and their offerings. Right. And so you really have to start with that vision. Where do you want to be? Why do you want to be there? Build your strategy. How are you going to get there? What's your path? And then also you want to have defined goals. And those defined goals, I like to really break down. A lot of people will say, for instance, I want to write a book, <laughs> and that's great. And that same person will want to write a book 10 years from now because they haven't determined how they're going to do it. They haven't set digestible goals where they are going to achieve certain milestones by certain times. And then you need to just deliver outcomes. What are your outcomes going to be? And so for me, the genesis of this book was really because so many folks asked me, how do you do so many things at the same time concurrently? And that's because I always have a vision and I put a strategy in place and then I execute. And a lot of times we think that we have to create these new frameworks and new models, but there's a lot of things out there. If You look at a successful business, Jen was talking about how do you build wealth? right? How do you um, look at individuals who built wealth? How do you look at organizations that are successful? You can take those models and incorporate them into your daily behaviors to make yourself successful. One of the things I also talk about is duality of careers. Uh, We have seen so many times where individuals are laid off from from a position and they're just devastated. And it takes them a really long time to pick themselves up and get back on track, We're also seeing careers what might be obsolete, might become obsolete, might not be relevant in the same way that they are today. So you have to constantly be thinking of how you're going to reinvent yourself, reinvigorate your skills, reintroduce your skills, so that you're always a person that folks want to know and a person that they think to pick up the phone and call when they have an issue.
2: Hmm. Tremendous Dr. Tanja. Congrats on all the success. I know one of the spaces that you, you focus on is is obviously women executives and women entrepreneurs and um and, and how they can overcome some of the obstacles that are unique to them. And I I am fortunate enough to to mentor young people, both men and women alike. And one of the things that I try to focus on with them is to control what they can control. Because we do live in a very unfair world. And, and some of those obstacles are going to be things that No matter what we do, we we can't change. Uh, What are some of the things that women uh, executives specifically can control that's within their control that can enhance their ability to grow and become effective leaders? And then what advice do you have for folks that are in a no-win situation? Uh, There are microaggressions or uh, gender-related discriminatory things that are happening. What advice do you have for those people?
5: I love that you mentioned that, David, because one of the things I I talk about in my book is really about positivity. So I feel like there's a lot of books out there talking about systemic racism, talking about barriers that hold you back and obstacles, but this is really about what's in your purview and what's in your control. So that's really the vantage point that I speak from, because at the end of the day, we're not going to tear all of those things down probably in our lifetimes, right? And so we have to figure out how we can survive the best and um, have the best outcomes in the ecosystem that exists. And so what I always tell women to do to equip themselves is make yourself heard. Most of the time women sit and we think that uh, meritocracy is not a myth. And we think that keeping your head down, doing great work will ultimately get you the career Um, that you want to have, the promotion that you desire, but oftentimes it's not. And sometimes it's the squeaky wheel, as they say, that gets the oil. So you have to make sure that people know where you want to go, know the experiences you want to have. If you need a mentor, if you need a sponsor, say so. People are not psychic, nor do they have time to try to figure out what you want to do with your career. So what I see happen in organizations is people are moving and getting promotions and other folks that might be actual better performers aren't. And they always wonder, how is that person doing that? Because that person's probably spoken up and said, this is where I want to go. And this is why. And this is my plan to get there. And so people are much more open to helping someone who has their vision intact, has a process and strategy in place, than someone who's sort of just sitting on the sidelines waiting to be discovered. So that's one of the things I tell women leaders. The second piece I tell women leaders is to negotiate. There's always something on the table. Oftentimes we take the first offer we get, we don't negotiate any other element of that offer. And there's a lot to um, negotiate after the core salary. There's so many other elements that make up your total cash compensation. The other piece is I really encourage women leaders to seek executive coaching and to understand who they are. I've seen a lot of executive women bounce from job to job because they don't understand who they are. They don't understand their mental models. They don't understand what makes them happy in a role, what causes dissatisfaction in a role. And so when you don't know who you are, it's difficult to know where you want to be and where you're going and then even how to lead others. The other piece about microaggressions, maybe you're in a cultural environment that's not um, that's not equitable or you feel is not equitable. What I always tell folks is before we make assumptions, always peel back the onion as far as you can peel it back. If there's a conversation that didn't go as expected, look at what your attitude was in that conversation. What was your body language? How did you approach the person? Really think about what you contributed to that conversation. If there are opportunities for improvement on your part, then make those before making a mass uh, decision or assumption. Now, if you look at that and you said, hey, I approached it as friendly as I could have, I was very professional, et cetera, and this is still the outcome, then you can label it what it should be labeled. From there, then you have to build your strategy. You have to determine what it is you're going to do and when and start your process, whatever that is. I do not believe in suffering in silence, and I do not believe in working in an environment that brings you misery. Because we know that that oftentimes causes health issues and has detrimental outcomes to your mental wellness and your physical well-being as well.
3: So, so much to unpack there. We, we need to speak more and again. So good morning. You know, they say that you only need three things to be great at anything in life, and that's preparation, preparation, preparation. And, and so you can do that, right? But to your point and to so many of the things we talk about, life throws you curveballs and, and so much of what you focus on is resilience, right? Everybody loves Rocky. Um, and so we, we all focus on that. How do we get to that? And so when you do this preparation, 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 life throws you the curveballs, like Dave says, if you want to, if you want to make God laugh, you know, have a perfectly planned out plan. And we, we often, I think that's where we find the struggle. Like, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to school. I'm going to get this degree. I'm going to get this job. And then, boom, right out of left field, something happens. How do we get people to that place of being able to establish women this resilience? Because, you know, even with our first two guests, you know, our first guest being the only surviving infant on a refugee boat coming from Vietnam. And look at what he's doing today. And then with Jim, what he talked about going from homeless to heavyweight, like financial guy. And with everything that you're doing and talked about, how do we get people to start to develop at least to plant those seeds of resilience?
5: Yeah, I think. The the first piece in that is to really understand that nothing is static. And I talk a lot about in my book about having extra tools in your toolbox. Most people have one tool, they've shine the tool, they polish the tool, they've, you know, manicured it to, to the ump degree. And then when that tool is taken away, they have nothing. And so what I really focus on and help women focus on is duality. Like, where can you go? If this door closes, what other doors open to you? What other door are you already sort of in? And how can you redirect yourself? And resilience is also about just being able to go with the flow. There might be a great opportunity that comes to you that you had no plans for at all. How are you going to say yes? How are you going to excel in that? And how are you going to kind of take life as it comes, so to speak? Every piece of your life cannot be planned out perfectly. There are things that are going to happen that throw you off I can use myself as an example. When I initially went to college, I was a pre-med student. I went home for the summer. A friend of mine dragged me to a flight attendant interview process. And I, we both went through the process and were selected. And I left school <laughs> where I was a pre-med student and became a flight attendant. I awesome. had no plans of that at all. But how was I able to kind of switch complete gears and circle back? So now I have a role as a DEI leader in a healthcare setting. So life can come back around, but there's uh, things that you might want to take advantage of, experiences that you will want to have that you didn't plan out, that you just have to sometimes go with the flow and trust your intuition. And sometimes we don't trust our intuition enough and it's okay to trust your intuition and your gut and go for what you think, it's also okay to fail. If you try something that doesn't work, if you fail, it's okay. You take lessons from that failure and apply it to your next opportunity.
0: Absolutely. Uh, Incredible advice from Dr. Tanja Coleman, president and founder of Reimagine Organization Development, author of Three Second World. Uh, Thank you. We have many other shows to have you on. We need more of you empowering leaders uh, like yourself. We appreciate your time. Thank you so much.
5: Thank you. Awesome.
0: Thank you. All right. Well worth the wait, Dr. Tanja Coleman. Uh, We had our technological difficulties today. So thank you everyone for your patience. Just just the two of us. So we could make it if we try, Mikey. Let's, uh, in the next four minutes, uh, go ahead. Give me your takeaway of the day.
3: Yeah, you know, it, it's just so perfect the way that this all worked today. And it's amazing to see you, and Dave, again, and be back on. And this is just great. It's It really warms my heart. And I was thinking about it with each of the guests, Dave, um, talking about where they are in life, where they were in life, and where they're going in life. Everything is shaped around perception. And Tangia just summed that all up so beautifully. And for me, that's the takeaway, right? Because I, I had an instance, you, you know, my wife and I are doing a cross-country tour in the motorhome. We've done 15 states and 56 cities so far, and it's nothing short of amazing. I can't wait until you guys do that, um, and I have some great tips for you along the way. But while I was out here in, in Venice Beach, I, I came out uh, the other morning, and there was a note taped to my motorhome, and it said, sorry, I sideswiped your motorhome. Please call me. Like, uh-oh. So and I, I looked, at, and it's not that bad. It's like there's a little bit of the paint that's taken off. And so I, I was driving and I called the guy I said, Hey, uh, you know, I just wanted to let you know, I appreciate the note. Like, it's great to see. It's very refreshing to see that they're honest and ethical people in the world. And I just really appreciate it. I don't think it's a big deal. I think I could just touch it up and, and all of that. And he said, okay, but if there's any problem, please let me know. I really want to take care of it. I don't want to inconvenience.' It's just such a good person. And I stopped and I said, you know, I don't I don't think that this is about the paint or the RV. I think this is one of those instances where the universe is introducing us to for some greater purpose. What are you up to in life? What are you doing? And he goes on to tell me that his wife or soon to be wife is uh, he's bringing her here from Vietnam. She's an artist to introduce her to America. He's a software engineer that's built out a lot of the uh, intellectual property for when we listen to music on the internet, really, really high level guy that perfectly aligns with so much of what we're doing. His CEO is flying in from Germany next week. We're all going to lunch to see what the opportunities are. But that's what she was just talking about. That's what people are talking about. It's the resilience. Okay, that happened. How do we get past it? But it's all based on your perception. Am I living in a hostile or friendly universe? Based on that single decision, everything around you will start to happen
0: perfect david we got 1 minute so we got 1 minute for our takeaway go ahead
2: i'll keep it super duper quick then just lean into what the universe is putting in front of you um surrender experiment michael singer i know all three of us love it um so dave mike that's what you did that's what a lot of our guests talk about every week it's you know the opportunity presents itself and then you not being too afraid to 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 capture it
0: absolutely and real quick as we finish up and i'll let jake close the room Uh, find the light, the love and the lessons and everything. So all three guests, they keep uh, in different ways articulating, hey, through gratitude, through forgiveness, accountability and inspiration, you can find the light, the love and the lessons in everyone and everything. And that's the greatest way to live at peace, ease, happiness, wealth, worthiness and joy will absolutely find its way through you to others. Thank you both. Great to see you again. Let's do more. Don't forget about me, Jake. It's 7 a.m. Pacific time on the dot. Close out the room.